the sound of the shovel biting into the ground as I dig this trench around the house so that I can uh, insulate the foundation. Uh, it's been a little over a week and I'm maybe two-thirds of the way around the house learning once again the sad truth of a lot of energy efficiency work, uh, the fact that it's mostly drudgery. Welcome back to Breaking the Carbon Bond, the podcast that puts practical solutions to the climate crisis into action right now. I'm your host, Rick Craig, and this is season one, The House of the Future. Episode three, The Work Begins. We spent two episodes planning and talking about the process of getting a home off fossil fuels, and now we've got the tools out and the workflow is on. Ren, it's too bad you weren't here for that process. You missed all the fun. You say fun now, but in the clip, when you were actually doing the work, the word you used was drudgery. Well, it's a fine line, isn't it? Between drudgery and fun? Mm, no, those are opposites. Oh, come on. You like endurance sports as much as I do. What do people always say after running a marathon? They claim it was really fun. But what do they say at mile 18? Pure drudgery. Okay, if you want to sell this work as some kind of perverse type 2 fun, you can try. But I'm not sure a lot of listeners are going to follow you there. In our first episode, you told us that sacrifice wasn't necessary because the carbon-free future is going to give us all our old conveniences, plus cleaner, healthier homes. Now you want to embrace drudgery? Is this a bait and switch? This is my co-host, Ren Sillenberg, doing her best to keep me honest and keep this podcast on track. Hey, Ren. Hi. Seriously, though, how do you reconcile those things? Okay, that's a reasonable question. First, I'm going to stand by what I said in episode one. Carbon-free buildings, even a whole carbon-free economy, really will make us better off than what we have now, with no loss of modern conveniences. But getting from here to there will involve a lot of old-fashioned shoveling and sweating. A lot of people are not going to be down with that. That's fine. Most people are not going to have to lift a finger. They'll buy EVs because they're fun to drive and cheap to own. They'll buy induction stoves because they're great to cook on and healthier to live with, and heat pump water heaters because they're cheaper to run. People didn't join the tech revolution because they wanted to save paper. They just liked the new computers. Okay, then why are we talking about sweating and grunt work? Because the people listening to this podcast aren't going to be passengers in this transition, and I want to make sure we represent the process honestly. Even if they hire out every bit of the physical work, people who make this transition in the next five years will still have to do the mental work of imagining themselves into a future that doesn't quite exist yet. Hmm. So the grunt work is for the early adopters? The real grunt work is definitely for early adopters. They have to sweat and fail and start over again, all with no guarantee of success. Luckily, we're not them. The phase we're in now is when significant numbers of people take what's been proven to work during the early adoption phase and push it into the mainstream. Okay, I think I'm with you now. It's kind of like that early phase of gentrification, after the artists but before the espresso shops. Except that unlike gentrification, no one gets pushed out in this transition. We need to transform everything everywhere, not just in select neighborhoods. This only works if it covers the whole planet, so a certain amount of equity is baked in. 
there are parallels to gentrification, like new investment and more prosperity and healthier places to live. But this time, we're only going to do the good parts. You really think people in poor neighborhoods and poor countries won't get screwed? It seems like that happens with everything. Actually, I admit that I'm crossing my fingers when I say that. But not in a devious crossing them behind my back because I'm lying kind of way. Just wishfully, in hopes it really will work out. I do think it's reasonable to believe that there will be less inequality than we've seen with other big economic shifts. Hmm. Less screwing of the poor than usual. That's not a very high standard. How about we say more preservation of human dignity than usual? Does that sound better? Okay, nice spin. But I think our how-to podcast is going a little off topic. Let's talk about your house, where you're moving from the planning phase into the actual work. Where did you start? The first round of work was all about reducing the house's energy needs. Okay, so this is all the energy efficiency improvements we identified last time in our episode about home energy audits. That's right. Before we swap out all the fossil fuel burning equipment in the house, we want to improve efficiency. So the new carbon-free appliances will have less work to do. That will save money not just on the utility bills, but on the equipment itself. Okay, remind us what upgrades you decided to make in episode two. The projects we decided would be cost-effective were sealing as many of the home's air leaks as possible, insulating the floor of the back porch, and insulating the foundation. I don't want to get drawn too far into the details of that work, because most of it will not apply to what listeners will encounter in their own homes. But for a little of that vicarious thrill we seem to get from home improvement shows, here's a highlight reel that will give you an idea of some of the steps. I've got the caulk gun out now, and I'm working on some of the, uh, the weak spots that I identified during the blower door test. swapping out these window latches. They've gotten worn down enough that they're not holding the windows closed very tightly. Uh, double hung window is already kind of a bad setup for uh, window leakiness. Uh, tend to not close as tightly as, as other designs. And uh, worn out latches are just making that worse. So. setting up a guide rail here in preparation for uh, cutting the bottom edge of the stucco siding so that I can uh, bring insulation up a little bit further and stop the heat loss from the edge of the slab. Um, so I'll make that cut with a circular saw outfitted with a diamond blade.
finally have this uh, trench dug and the siding prepped. Uh, sorry, the dog in the background has a hold of a squeaky toy. Um, <laughs> yeah, siding is prepped for, uh, for the insulation to go up against the foundation wall. So I'm installing these pieces uh, to go down to the bottom of the trench and then I'll uh, lay the horizontal wing insulation coming out from that at a right angle. To address the floor of the back porch, which has been serving as kind of an outdoor radiator, draw heat from the indoors and the broadcasted outdoors. I've brought in this kind of foam flooring like you would see in a workout space that uh, has a pretty good R value installing fairly quickly so that's a good thing and it'll, it'll give us an R value of three or four which is not great but it's uh, definitely better than zero. When were you doing all of this? We're recording in February, so the digging we heard in that clip obviously wasn't happening recently. The ground there is pretty frozen. Yeah, we've compressed the timeline so this podcast will be easier to follow, but this work has actually been spread out over almost a year. We finalized the plan for the house's transition to clean energy in the spring of 2022, with the idea of having all the systems in place in time for this winter. Then I started chipping away at the projects whenever I had space in my work schedule, recording these little audio clips along the way. So we could hear a record of your suffering? Honestly, I didn't know exactly why I was making recordings. At that point, it looked like the climate legislation to spur this clean energy transition had gone down in flames, and the idea of making a podcast as a template for other people to follow seemed like it would go down with it. I went ahead and recorded a few things because I had planned to do it that way back when there was still hope for the legislation. And then the Inflation Reduction Act sprang from the ashes. Yeah, Joe Manchin. What a piece of work that guy is. Okay, so now climate legislation is back and you get to share all of your um, fun with us. Tell us what you did first. Yeah, so I had some time last May, and I really wanted to get the foundation insulated before the summer got hot, so I started with that. The air sealing work and covering the back porch didn't really take long. Just a couple of weekend projects over the course of the summer. So everything went well? I would say that's true for the air sealing and covering the porch floor. But insulating the foundation was a project I definitely underestimated. Here's a recording I made near the end of that process. It is a drizzly Memorial Day weekend here, and I have finally almost circumnavigated this house. Trenching, cutting stucco, air sealing, flashing, and insulating as I go. Um, just about to place the last piece of metal trim on the last piece of insulation back at the corner where I started. And it may seem a little grandiose to everyone else. In fact, I'm sure it does, but to me it uh, feels a little bit like joining the two ends of the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, it's a little more than a hundred hours of labor 
into the foundation insulation project to get to this point. Okay, I think it's great you got that done, but is that really a scalable solution? If you had hired someone to do all that, the payback time on the energy savings would be forever. Yeah, I was over-optimistic about the labor involved with that one. People listening should probably take it as more of a cautionary tale about being judicious with where you spend your time. I'm still glad I did it, if only because it means I don't have to live with such an obvious mistake anymore. But just how much energy efficiency work it makes sense to do in a retrofit is always going to be a tough call. But didn't you give us a formula for that in our last podcast? You just calculate whether the energy savings is worth more than the cost of generating that amount of clean energy with solar panels. True, but then I fudged the formula by not putting a value on my labor. The do-it-yourself crowd does that all the time because we're after personal satisfaction or bragging rights or sometimes we're just naive. But you're right that treating this stuff as a hobby is not the way to transform the whole economy. My labor on that part of the project was only worth a little more than $10 an hour. So we should do as you say, not as you do. Is that it? Yeah, if we want this stuff to scale, we should stick with what's easy and pays for itself. I'll always have a soft spot for the people willing to suffer a bit to make things perfect. But those who stick to just the sensible improvements will actually achieve more for their effort. Well, at least you got the energy efficiency work done. Is there a way to tell if it worked? You can get a pretty good idea if you gather some data. Here I am doing a final blower door test after all the air sealing work was done. Okay, I've just set up the blower door test kit for one final test run now that the air sealing is essentially done and I'm gonna dial up this fan speed until it depressurizes the house to uh, negative 50 pascals and uh, the little pressure and flow gauge will read how much air it's taking out of the house to achieve that pressure and we'll see if we've made an improvement. Spinning up slowly to make sure we don't uh, cause any damage as the air starts rushing into the house. And when the gauge reads minus 50, we'll take a reading on the airflow. And there we are, just under a thousand cubic feet per minute, which is almost a 30% improvement from when we started this process. A 30% improvement seems pretty good. Will it save a lot of energy? It's tricky to calculate the exact energy savings from air sealing because it depends on how much wind you get at your location but I'm sure it'll save enough to pay for the materials in the first year or two. But that's only $80. I was hoping you were going to say it was worth thousands. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But savings like that are pretty rare. Maybe if you live in a drafty old farmhouse that's never been updated, 
but most newer houses will only see small improvements from air sealing. But sometimes just the improvement in comfort makes it worthwhile. You know those old houses where you stand by a window on a cold day and it feels like it's sucking your soul out? Yeah, it makes me shiver just to think about it. A lot of that is from air leaks. Even if they aren't costing you a lot of money, fixing them can make you happier in your house. Well, I'm all for that. So you were able to measure how well the air sealing worked. Can you do that with the other improvements, like the insulation you added? That's not nearly as straightforward. To do it right, you need to gather a lot of data, at least a year's worth of energy use from before and after the changes. And since all the fossil fuel systems were changed out at the same time, it's not an apples to apples comparison unless you correct for that. I'll probably never get closer than a ballpark estimate of how much things have improved. For now, I'll just go with what the heat flow calculations predicted, but after this winter, I'll have a better sense of whether they were accurate. Okay, so that's it for energy efficiency improvements? For now, yes. In the future, we'll improve the ceiling insulation and eventually upgrade the windows. That means you're ready for the fun stuff, right? Getting off fossil fuels, adding solar panels, and electrifying everything? Exactly. Which is where we'll pick things up in our next episode. Join us then for Breaking the Carbon Bond, the how-to podcast for getting fossil fuels out of your life. Breaking the Carbon Bond is written and produced by volunteers with in-kind support from Climate Smart Missoula, the little nonprofit that punches above its weight. Useful links and further information about the clean energy transition can be found at missoulaclimate.org. We are always ad-free, but if your other podcasts have so conditioned you to having your attention monetized that you just can't live without it, you can relieve that urge via the Donate button on that website which again is missoulaclimate.org. The views expressed here are those of the participants alone and should be taken as opinions, not as advice or instructions. And be aware that home remodeling can be dangerous and podcasts, how-to videos, and the like are no substitute for professional guidance, good safety practices, and sound judgment. Music